Welcome to Interior Sources Design Connections podcast. I am Jane Rohde, the conference chair for the Design Connections Conference that will be held from February 11th through 13th, 2019 in Ponte Florida. I have the pleasure of dialoguing today with Suzanne Molina, the advisory council member for Design for Workplace. Suzanne is the principal of One Design Collective located in Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Suzanne. Thanks, Jane. So I thought today we would talk a little bit about this interesting process that happens between social responsibility and the idea of social media and how the two work together, but also sometimes don't work together. Um, so we have a lot of paradoxes in our in our world, and I believe that this is one of them that we currently have. Sustainability as an ever-enlarging scope beyond the built environment includes looking at social responsibility of all types of companies. Social media can be used to provide transparency within organizations, supporting dialogue and open communication among stakeholders, including positions on social responsibility within the workplace. So Suzanne, from your perspective, what are some of the challenges as to how social media is used that doesn't always reflect positive social responsibility, communication, and interaction? Well, uh, social media, um, I, I think it, it, first of all, I think it comes down to who is actually utilizing the social media um, and, and the platforms, which we'll go into a little bit later. Um, but Social media oftentimes is a gut reaction, shoot from the hip, hip, as opposed to really thinking something through. Um, And as we know nowadays, once you put something out there, it lives forever. You can't take it back. And and so I think we just need to be a little bit more thoughtful um, when when we're thinking of utilizing social media. And do you think most companies have to have some type of policy about social media to see how it interacts basically with their social responsibility communications? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what we're finding is that uh, it, it, oftentimes they, they actually have a group that is dedicated to the social media aspect of getting the message out. Um, and it may not necessarily be one person. It may be a few people, um, sometimes depending on the type of firm and size of firm that may actually rotate. And so you may see a little bit of a different type of messaging uh, from companies coming out. Uh, But I think the key thing is that um, like anything else, the social media is a form of campaign or marketing for any kind of a company or firm. And they really need to define what their end goals are. What are they looking for to come out of this this information that's being spread to the masses, if you will. So it really becomes part of your media planning in terms of how to use it. And then would you say that, um, I guess, the personal side of it, uh, how that can actually, sometimes that can negatively impact as well. So if um, architect or designer is in a company and they're not kind of following the strategy of what the media planning is, that could be a problem. So what would the communication look like to disseminate, this is our media plan, folks, and this is how you need to use it? Well, like any kind of a any kind of a marketing campaign, um, you know, it used to be that you had you know the same type of graphics, you wanted the same look, um, so that as as all the messaging goes out, it all has the same look and feel of that company. Social media needs to be the same, um, not necessarily the same look, 
but it needs to have a consistent underlying message. Otherwise, you start to confuse the, the end user, the people that you're trying to get the message out, whether it's future employees, uh, clients, customers, whoever that might be. So consistency is really the most important part in looking at the evaluation of how you do your media planning. That's what we've been seeing, yes. Yeah, that makes good sense. And so if we look at the different platforms that are being used, can you talk a little bit about some of the platforms that are used and what is potentially more formal versus more casual, um, maybe more individual so that people can feel a little more freer in their um, in their messaging? Uh, could you talk a little bit about the various types of platforms? When would be appropriate to use them and how that could help individuals within a company support the overall corporate messaging? Sure. Uh, so I think essentially there's, there's probably four main platforms that we're talking about. You've got Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and they all tend to have, I believe, different uh different users or uh, customers on the other end of it. Um, I've, all, I've always heard, uh, and I love this, this analogy, where Twitter and Instagram are kind of like the speed dating. Um, Facebook is maybe a little bit more uh, like a cocktail party where you have a little bit more time to interact. And then LinkedIn is is that first date or the formal date. You have a little bit more time. And if you think about it in that context, um, if, we, if we look at it, and as I've talked to people, Instagram, um, while a lot of our customers are on there and following us through that, that definitely tends to be the more informal, kind of spur of the moment. Um, you, can, you can post things on there that are in process, you know, under undergoing um, whatever is happening within your within your firm or company. Same thing for for Twitter. At the same time, though, those can also backfire if you're not careful in how you utilize them, because oftentimes those are the ones I think where people tend to shoot from the hip and may say things inappropriately or um, in such a way that they can be interpreted differently. Then Facebook, um, you. You do, you know, you can have your page um, for the company and you can set it up and, and really follow the company a little bit more extensively. Um, and LinkedIn, that to me is the, is really probably the most professional one that if you want to think of like a formal marketing campaign, I mean, that's the one where you want to be able to post um, articles you want to be able to put links up there on things that your company has been doing um, that are perhaps a little bit more extensive. Those are the ones, if we think about it, uh, where our clients are definitely following us. And whether it's clients, whether it's future employers, uh, whoever it may be, you know, just take a look at, at how many times people have looked at your profile. Um, and it's not just you personally, it's also your firm. So do you think that most people have within their company someone who specifically is in charge of it? Like we're a very small company, but I do have my graphics designer and my office manager manage what goes on and what we put on. And we just kind of funnel all of our suggestions to them. Do you think that that's similar for other companies or do you think that they use outside marketing companies to do it? Or how, how do you think that they raise the awareness on the social media side? I think it's a combination of things actually. Um, so we're a smaller firm as well. And 
we do that. We have both the personal as well as the company page within each of these. And for anything to do with the company page, then we definitely review it before it gets posted. Um, I, I have found in talking with others that um, there are a lot of firms that do use a, a marketing company that will go ahead and set out a plan for them. You know, you're going to be doing this this often. You're going to be posting this this often. This month, we're going to focus on, on this item. Next month, we're going to focus on this item, which I think is very, very smart. Um, and that's not something that you have to have a marketing firm for, obviously, but you just need to think it through a little bit. I guess maybe our, our guidelines need to be a little bit more um, specific in terms of what we target because we work predominantly in senior living. So that's our target market. My general direction has been, don't make us look silly or stupid and don't make me look bad. <laughs> so that's kind of my, my hopes and dreams for social media. And uh, people will laugh because I, I do have, like I get all excited when I actually tweet something. And But I have other colleagues that are my age or older that are like out there tweeting constantly. And I just, it, it's just not second nature to me. Posting something on LinkedIn, checking out to see what people are doing. Um, Facebook to a certain point is is easier for me and I'm used to it. But I know from the younger designer perspective, Instagram is where it's at. And so Absolutely. I think that the idea of being able to have younger designers as well as our more experienced designers being able to um, work in, in the various medias, I think it's really important. Um, the only thing that startles me sometimes is when I get something from Instagram that says, hey, you've been you know clicked on or noticed or whatever. And I'm thinking, yeah about that. I'm not really sure if I know how to log in, but I've, I've kind of overcome that now and, and am a little bit more aware of, of what's, you know, what's going on and what's not. Um, I do think it makes it a little easier when you're um, a specialist. Um, would you agree with that? Like, because we, we're in senior living, so things that are interesting to senior living designers or care models or something new and creative is fairly simple to find in a sense because you're looking for the same topic. Do you think it's harder for firms that are more general practice and, and larger? Um, not necessarily. I Well... I think for firms that have maybe a more general practice um, or a larger practice, multiple offices and such, I think that the guidelines definitely have to be uh, a lot stricter. And, and I know in speaking with people at some of the very large firms, um, they do have very formal guidelines, including how often you do this. And they want you to do it a lot. They want to be able to see that you're getting hits and such and, and that you're getting noticed because that in turn reflects on the company. Um, which I think is very interesting in and of itself. Um, it, at the same time, it it can definitely backfire. I think you do need to be very very careful about what people are are posting, how they're posting it. Um, we we had a while back where we had finished up a, a project, and we and one of the gals gone ahead taken some photos and was so excited and and had posted it and you know had people twerking on it and thinking that's fine for your personal but not for the company uh, you know that that's something that i i am not too crazy about um but yet you know when you're talking about like with instagram especially your audience is younger and they they like them they think that's funny and they think that's cool but i i, I still think there needs to be a delineation between personal and professional when it comes to, to the social media. 
So let's let's change course here a little bit in terms of um, product manufacturers and design firms. How do they position themselves on social responsibility? And and this is interesting to me too because social responsibility for me means we used to have a social cause gallery, for example, and portion of it was to introduce new artists and young artists and having them have an opportunity to be able to express themselves. And then a percentage of every show that we did went to a local charity um, because we felt that there was this social responsibility and this need as a, as a company to do more for the community at large. So social media mm-hmm. was a big part of that because that's how you get followers and that kind of thing. Um, but do you have some uh, thoughts about product manufacturers and design firms in terms of how to position themselves, social responsibility and and what that means, or maybe that what that means to you in terms of a, a firm and a, an owner of a firm? Well, I, social responsibility, I think, is, is key, and that's, and that's very big, especially in today's environment, um, where we should, if we're not already, we should all want to, to do good and um, to be able to help others where we can. And, and as far as design firms go, that, that can really translate into a lot of different things, um, whether it is doing pro bono work, um, whether it is just you know, donating time to help with a local charity in an event that they may be having, um, uh, you know, whether it's having your firm participate in a, in a 10K and, and you know, really trying to, one, raise awareness for that charity as well as to raise money for them. Um, the other thing, too, is, you know, giving back to our profession, whether it is through um, advocating for the profession, the advancement of the profession, whether it is being a mentor, you know, to the future of the profession, to the students, being a juror, whatever that, whatever that may translate to. Uh, I think the challenge that many of us have, however, especially with the smaller firms, is um, being able to support this financially. We, we don't necessarily have the deeper pockets that the larger firms do, and so that's where oftentimes um, we will try to team up with a manufacturer. And, and they usually tend to be very willing to do so, which is wonderful. Um, and it also gives them another opportunity to be able to give back, not just to you know, whoever the charity might be at the end of the day, but also to be able to support um, someone within the industry that they are a big part of. So, so the idea of partnering is really important. So partnering with manufacturers or partnering with other firms, a lot of times it's associations, um, you know, whether it's IIDA or ASID or AIA, all seem to have that need to come together to do social responsibility. Um, the interesting thing is for, for our firm is lately I've noticed uh, students that have been engaged with us that have been like, we like your mission. And I thought, wow, this means that there's some social responsibility being reflected in our mission because of the work that we do with elders and vulnerable populations. So in a sense, sometimes our work itself uh, can really be something that reflects social responsibility. And mm-hmm. I love that that can happen, right? That the design can make a difference for people and people's lives. Um, would you agree with that or have an example of that for your own work? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that, that we find is that, especially with prospective employees, they're looking at um, who our clients are. You know, Are they the big corporations? 
no, that may not be as appealing to them. Or are they perhaps, you know, the smaller companies, the up and coming companies, the ones that are trying to make a difference? That's that seems to be more of what they're interested in. They want to be able to have an impact and they feel that having those clients is is a direct reflection of that. They want to be able to be part of that um, part of the the answer to the overall question. I'm not gonna say problem but question. Right. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate that because I, I agree totally. And so in a sense, social responsibility really is driven much by social media. So it's a balance between the two of them to get positive marking outcomes, but also to reflect who you are as an organization. And w- would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. And so this brings us to a close for our podcast for the day. I want to thank Suzanne for being part of the group to be able to do the Interior Sources Design Connections podcast. And I want to thank you very much. I hope you have a great day.